Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casser les Lignes, the French football podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Magan, and I'm back after a solid month break. I think the last episode was on the 28th or the 29th of December. Uh, in between there and now, I went to France. I went to visit the, the mother country and I got lucky enough to, uh, to visit a bit of Paris, but also to go to the Stade de l'Odrome to witness Marseille uh, beating Lorient and, uh, and a very strong Marseille team that day as well. So I'm all here, I'm all refreshed. Uh, and of course, uh, life didn't stop without me. A lot happened in Ligue 1 during uh, my little month of holidays. And so we're going to obviously focus on the last game day that was just played this weekend, but also, you know, shortly sort of look after, look at all the transfers that have happened for the whole month of, of January and uh, and maybe what to expect between now and at the end of the day. Uh, as I record, it's the 31st of January, it's 11.30 a.m. here in Australia. Um, so a few transfers might happen between now and tonight, and, and then the transfer window will be closed. So we'll yeah we'll talk about this match day just passed uh, with with all the top four not being able to win in uh, in match day 20, and we'll talk about you know those two game weeks that are coming in as well midweek and at the end of the weekend. It's a big month who starts now for teams like Paris and Monaco and Rennes, and so it'll be interesting to see how they all. Fair. All right, we're going to get into it. But first, as usual, music. Okay, so what happened in Ligue 1 this whole month? A lot on the transfer market. I mean, you know, of course, the, the Premier League brought all their money and they spent a lot of money everywhere in Europe, which then sort of like made other moves happen, but I was a bit surprised about how much happened. We're going to quickly try and go through the, the names that are, I guess, uh, most known. Luis Suarez from Marseille went to Almeria in Spain. He actually scored this weekend with uh, Almeria. Uh, Charbonnier, who's always better in Ligue 2 than he is in Ligue 1, left Auxerre to go to Saint-Etienne, and he also scored a couple of goals since uh, he went there. Ablin was on loan from Rennes to Auxerre, and just after that, Rennes saw, um, you know, I think it was Kalimwendo got injured after Terrier already had been injured, which is, a, I guess, problematic, probably for the team coached by Genesio. Um, Dolberg left Nice for Offenheim after spending the first six months of the year in Sevilla. Uh, Lyon recruited Dejan Lovren, a former Lyon player. They, they stick with their uh, Lyon DNA situation. Um, Lovren was... was performing well at St. Petersburg, Zenit, and he's now back at Lyon. Touré from Marseille was loaned to Auxerre. Apia from Nantes um, was transferred to Saint-Etienne in second division. Marseille sent Gerson back to Brazil, back to Flamengo, where, where he was great before joining Marseille. Uh, Robson Bambou from Nice is um, on loan in Brazil as well in Vasco de Gama. Badia Chile went to Chelsea for 40 million euros. Chelsea is just spending all kinds of money since the Americans took over. Uh, Malo Gusto, of course, has gone to Chelsea as well, but he's then loaned back to Lyon for the rest of the season. Larsonneur, who couldn't find um, a spot in between the post at Brest anymore, has been transferred to Saint-Etienne, who is playing where he is playing since. Um, Malinowski, of course, is on loan at Marseille from Atalanta Bergam. Uh, Roslan Malinowski, who's uh, having a couple of games already for Marseille and you know, maybe not performing as well as the Marseille fans would like to, but he, he is slowly getting there. Very, very strong left-footed player. Um, Thomasson left Strasbourg to go to Lens. Pierre-Gabriel left Strasbourg to go to Mayence. And of course, uh, Ludovic Ajok left Strasbourg to go um, to Mayence as well. So um, Strasbourg has lost uh, a few important uh, players. Lemina left Nice to go to 
Wolverhampton, and who did I have as well that was important to talk about? Uh, Dacunia from Nice is at Calpio.com. Um, Jebels went to Sengal in Switzerland. Watara, of course, Lorient. Watara uh, from Lorient went to Bournemouth. There's, of course, another player from Lorient that we expect um, to move uh, Terem Mofi, and we are waiting to see where he was going to end, but he should not be a Lorient player anymore at the end of this Mercato. Sarabia left Paris Saint-Germain for Wolverhampton. Like I said, a lot has happened. Strasbourg has recruited Morgan Sanson from Aston Villa and Sobol from the FC Bruges. Joao Victor left Benfica. He's going to come to Nantes on loan. We don't know him too much, but I, I think we need to keep an eye on him. Uh, Yonit Radu, the goalkeeper from the young goalkeeper from Inter Milan, has signed at Auxerre because the Auxerre um, goalkeeper, Benoit Costil, is now in Lille to be Chevalier's number two. Uh, Jardim, who was Lille's number two um, goalkeeper, is now in Vasco de Gama. Lee Hadji, the young prospect from Lille who never really made it to the first team, went to Sutherland. Uh, Goulam, the international, who was free since um, this summer, has signed for Angers, who's desperately in need of strong players. Uh, Toko Ekambi from Lyon is on loan uh, at Rennes. I said Costil was going to Lille. Another uh, familiar face, Benjamin Lecomte, um, was on loan at Barcelona, Espanol Barcelona. He's back at Monaco, and then Monaco transferred him to Montpellier, and he actually had a fantastic game this weekend, Benjamin Lecomte. Uh, and then, of course, Bemba Djeng left Marseille to sign for Lorient for 10 million Euros. Gomis, the second goalkeeper in Rennes, is now, or the third goalkeeper, I should say, is now in Como in Italy as well. Angie Delors left Nice to be loaned at Nantes. He wasn't um, really convincing at Nice, and, and Nantes was in desperate need of a striker since Colomani went to shine in the Bundesliga. Unahi, who had such a great World Cup, the Moroccan international, has left Angers to sign for Marseille. Pap Gay, the Marseille midfielder, is on loan at Seville. Um, what else do we have? Lyon recruited this um, young striker from Hirenben. Um, his name is uh, Amin Sar. He's a Swedish um, Swedish native. It'll be interesting to have a look at it. Um, and Makengo as well left Lyon to go to Udinese. Albert Ellis, who was one of the only players who was actually good at Bordeaux last year, is on loan at Brest and will finish the season over there. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably covered everything. Oh, Romain Febvre, sorry, as well, left Lyon, uh, left Lyon to go to Lorient, uh, transferred for a million euros. Probably a bit of a flop for, for Lyon there. They really thought they were going to uh, be able to, to keep Febvre and make him progress. Um, and just for the fun, uh, Morgan Schneiderlin from Nice has left and is on loan to Western Sydney. Wanderers joined me on the island continent. That's about what happened in those 30 days. Uh, like I said, we're still expecting some things to happen. We're still expecting Terem Mofi to most likely sign with Nice. Keylor Navas will probably leave Paris Saint-Germain and apparently Nottingham Forest is around. Um, Malcolm from Zenit and Skriniar from Inter Milan would potentially sign with Paris Saint-Germain. Dembele could leave Lyon to go to Everton. A few things we expect to happen, and, and one of the world as well was Marseille, who was on a Braga um, forward. Uh, Virginia was his name. Uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, what happened. But uh, it was already a pretty busy month uh, in Ligue 1 as far as the, the transfer goes. Um, when I wasn't here, of course, a few important results have happened. I think it's important to mention that Paris Saint-Germain lost twice between the end of December and, and the end of January. Uh, they were undefeated um, until the, the World Cup break. Uh, and now with those two losses to Rennes and to Lens um, at the table before the 20th 
uh, game of the season. They were only three points ahead of Lens and five points ahead of Marseille before such a crucial month uh, for Paris Saint-Germain. Um, it would have been um, it would have been something that I'm sure they would have happy not to happen. Anyway, that's the transfers. That's sort of like the context set for Ligue 1 before match day 20. Now we're going to go quickly into, I guess, the three games that I have watched uh, and we'll talk about the other one. So the first game that I watched was the first game of the weekend, the derby of Brittany, Lorient against Rennes and Lorient, les Merlus, who realized the performance to be able to beat Rennes at home. Lorient doesn't really um, does well against Rennes usually um, in, in recent days. And Lorient, to be honest, looked like they had hit a little bit of a slump uh, since those performances um, pre-World Cup that were you know, so great. So when since they came back from the the World Cup, they had played. They had lost at home against Montpellier. Montpellier was not the best team. Uh, they barely won in Angers two one. Then they had drew against Monaco two two, and then lost um, to Marseille in Marseille three one. So the game against Rennes was obviously expected by Lorient fans and, and Lorient players alike to try and, and sort of bounce back, especially with um, you know Watara gone and Mofi uh, on the way to go. So neither of the players, of course, were on the starting lineup uh, yet. You know, no Mofi, no problem, I guess, for Lorient. They were able to get the three points in the game that Rennes kind of like outrageously dominated. 67% position for Genesio's men, 19 shots, six on target. And for Lorient, four shots, four on target and two goals. And, and of course, the, the football was played by Rennes and Lorient. Lorient had moments, they didn't park the bus and then only play in counter-attack. They had moments where they were doing this, but they also had you know, five minutes at the beginning of the game, uh, five minutes between 10th and 15th when they score, five minutes again between the 25th and 30th, where they had moments where they were actually in possession, forcing Rennes to defend a bit lower, and they were still able to accelerate despite Rennes trying to defend a little bit um, lower on the end. Rennes was playing in a, in a um, like a 5-4-1 versus slash 3-5-2 with obviously the, the usual um, movement that happened into a um, Genesio's team. Uh, and I think it, it kind of could have worked, should have worked against a team like Lorient, uh, but they were never able to really break into that defense. And also when Lorient defends low, uh, Lorient brings such intensity in their own box. They just, there's always a foot, a leg. Um, they, they really literally throw themselves onto the ball. It's really hard to to really get through them. Once Rennes was able to get through them, Vito, Vito Manone was just in the form of his life. I don't remember seeing a game of Vito Manone, the goalkeeper from Lorient, while Mbogo is injured. And I remember a game where he was so strong. Saves from another world on a header from Guiri, on a shot from outside the box. Um, it really was everywhere. It's obviously a super important result for Lorient on, on the table. Um, they were, before the game, five points behind Rennes. And so now they're only two points behind Rennes. It also slows down Rennes, who had a chance to you know, maybe overtake Monaco, maybe get closer to Marseille and Lens, uh, and instead sit, sit there waiting for the next game in, again, what's going to be for Rennes, a pretty, midi bond, a pretty busy month, excuse me, they're playing Shakhtar Donetsk in the Europa League uh, on the 17th and 24th of, uh, of February, and, and in that month, they're playing Lille, Toulouse, Clermont, all teams that are known to play football, so it's not going to be easy for Bruno Genesio and his men to bounce back, but obviously... Um, they have all intentions um, to bounce back knowing what to do. But in, in that sense, it was um, Regis Lebris' time to to shine, to shine again. We know how great the coach has been for, for Lorient. And 
it's good to get those those marquee results and to be able to steal points from one of the top four. And, and I'm sure they'll be all celebrating the goals. Um, of course, I didn't say it, but Mustafa Montasar Tailbi scored the first goal at the 13th minute. Theo Lebris made it 2-0 at the 31st minute. A beautiful uh, left-shooted effort that ended up in the top left corner of Mandanda. And Flaviente reduced the score at the 72nd minute, but it wouldn't be enough for Rennes despite pushing uh, until the end of the game. Um, yeah, Lorient, a team that I was wondering if they were sort of like going to go down in the second part of the season with all the players that they lost, but clearly uh, this is not their intention and it will be interesting to see what they do in the next four months. The next game that I watched was Marseille against Monaco, uh, of course, on Sunday morning here in uh, Australia, Saturday night in France. And after three minutes of the game, I tweeted game of the year incoming because the the intensity in that start of the game was insane. Monaco really brought it to Marseille. I mean, Marseille, we know how great they've been since the beginning of the season, in the past two months specifically, like a month before the World Cup and, and a month after. Um, they've been sort of like the, this machine well-oiled machine, those road rollers, they just relentlessly attack and attack and attack. And when it's not the striker, it's the midfielder. When it's not the midfielder, it's the centre-back. There's always somebody bringing in numbers up front. And it's been really hard for teams to contain them. Rennes in the French Cup lost to them and Marseille seemed super comfortable. Lorient, when they came to visit the Vélodrome, they scored first, but Marseille never panicked and then slowly put the machine into place and ended up winning 3-1. And so Monaco, visiting the Stade Vélodrome, knew what to expect, yet Philippe Clément really brought the game to the Marseille team in the midfield. Uh, I think Matazo and Fofana had an excellent game, really nullified um, Rongier, Veretout and Gendouzi. Gendouzi specifically really struggled, I think, in that game and, and he was replaced at halftime. And then they had the ability with Ben Seguir as sort of a number 10 and Golovin on the left, Kripenjata on the right, Monaco to really explode behind the, the Marseille defence. And, and Marseille you know, because they get comfortable ball to feet, you always have Mbemba or Kolasinac, who were the, the right centre-back and the left centre-back, bringing numbers forward and often sort of like combining with the left wing-back and the right wing-back to go all the way up into the box. This time around, they couldn't do it because Ben Yedder was just stuck on Gigo, not dropping down. And whenever Monaco was getting the ball back, Golovin and Jata were so fast on the wings that it really created a lot of issue for Marseille. Marseille can be lucky that, you know, Veretou scored that on goal on a, um, on a free kick at the 17th minute, but Ben Yedder had a couple of opportunities, Ben Seguir had a couple of opportunities, so did Golovin, so did Diata. Monaco could have been up 3-0 by the 30th minute and, and nobody could have said anything because Marseille struggled to really put their game into place. And then slowly, they started doing what they do the last 10 minutes of the first half. They started keep position of the ball again, showing what they can do, developing the football that has been so good um, for the past months. And, and also adjusted to, I guess, the new personnel. Nuno Tavares was back from suspension. And he's got, a, I guess, a, a football style that's very particular to him, which is go forward and, and shoot, go forward and shoot. He's, I don't know how many shots there was. One of them did bring the goal uh, from Alex Sanchez early on the second half with, uh, with uh, unfortunately for him, Nubel making a mistakes and just releasing the ball in front of him and, and Sanchez finishing. Uh, but between Tavares and Malinovsko, who just arrived, um, it felt a bit unbalanced at one point in the middle of the park. And mind you, at halftime, um, Genduzi decided, to, um, sorry, Tudor decided to get Genduzi out, put Balerdi in, so Balerdi would be um, the central defender, and Gigo would take the left, and Kolasinac would take the um, left wing back, and Tavares the right wing back, which 
worked out well because that's where the, the goal come from, from Tavares being onto the, the right side. And in the second half, Marseille dominated a bit more. Uh, Shouts for a penalty at one point when uh, Kolasinac is in the box and Marimpad tackled him and sort of land on his um, ankle. And when I say shouts for penalty, I think Longoria said something along the lines of um, France is the worst VAR in the whole of Europe. There should have been a red card and a penalty and nobody wanted to check it. Uh, it's a shame. That that's Longoria's world, not mine. Um, but yeah, Monaco, I thought, I thought should have regrets because they could have killed the game early on. And then after that, Marseille could have regrets because as usual, they dominate and it's really hard for them to actually be um, dangerous. At the end of the day, the game was what it was, a 1-1 a draw. A 1-1 draw that Monaco would be happy to bring back for Marseille. And Marseille would probably feel like it was a missed opportunity, especially when um, when you know that Paris eventually didn't win and, and neither did lose. Uh, but it was a game of, of, I think, good factor. It was 22 shots, 6 on target for Marseille. 11 shots, 4 on target for, for Monaco. Um, the pass accuracy that was a bit lower for Monaco, but that's because they were trying to play that direct attacking football. Um, and, and not a lot of fouls. So a game that really was just a, so, sort of fluent um, and, and that uh, ended in, in a deserved 1-1, I think, which means that on the table, Marseille is still 5 points ahead of Monaco. The next game that I watched, of course, was um, the last game of the weekend, Paris Saint-Germain against Reims. And what a game! <laughs> uh, well, Paris Saint-Germain wasn't able to win. I, I kind of want to say that they didn't deserve to win anyway with how they've been playing. And, and I don't want to sound harsh when I say that, but I, I just think they're just not playing at the level that we expect them to play, right? And so I know I said several times now uh, on, on this podcast that there would be a, Marseille, a Paris Saint-Germain, excuse me, pre-World Cup and a Paris Saint-Germain post-World Cup because their, their star player Neymar and Messi and Mbappé were, you know, gearing up for the World Cup. And of course, I'm not even mentioning them, but Marquinhos, same thing. Hakimi, who had a very good World Cup, same thing. Uh, anybody except Verratti and Donnarumma, basically, was gearing up for the World Cup. And then the after-World Cup just seems a bit flat. Those two defeats against Rennes and against Lens. Now this this draw against Reims over the weekend... Um, I think Paris Saint-Germain is going to have a very strong, um, sorry, a very complicated month of February upcoming, and they need to be very strong to be able to go through. To me, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. It's either they go through in the Champions League and they'll struggle in Ligue 1, or they get out of the Champions League because it's Bayern Munich in front of them in the, in the round of 16. Um, and then hopefully for them, they can try and make it and they can scrap. They can try and get to the scraps and try and, and get some points. But yeah, it's... I don't know. I guess maybe if they are Champions League, actually, they're probably going to struggle for two weeks and then end up smashing everybody like they did last year. Probably what's going to happen. Uh, but anyway, I, I really I kind of wish for them that they do go through Bayern Munich and that they do finally uh, prove that they're the team they're supposed to be because they don't look it right now. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening in the uh, in the locker room, um, but it's just not. Ball play isn't great. Vicinia, who was so promising at the beginning of the season, is just not that good anymore in that second part of the uh, season. Same for Fabian Ruiz and same for. Um, Soler, who hasn't really, um, you know, sort of like get used to Paris Saint-Germain yet. They are talented players and it's their first season. So I'm not going to be the one who says, oh, they're, they're washed up and they're done. We've seen Leo Messi last year who struggled and came back all guns blazing this season. So I'm not saying they're done, but they really need to find a way to do something because against Reims, um, you know, Reims equalized at the 96th minute. The first goal came from Neymar at the 51st minute. Then Marco Verratti took a red card at the 59th minute. A red card that I don't think he was harsh. I think, you know, it was maybe a very, a very dark yellow and so a light red. But also I think that not all referees give a red card 
in these circumstances in Ligue 1 even. So I think it probably um, Verratti might have felt hard on by. Uh, and Follarin Balogun is the one who equalized at the 96 minute. A superb goal, by the way. Uh, a ball that was lost in the middle of the park by Paris Saint-Germain and one pass by Dumbia. And Balogun was able to uh, overtake both Marquinhos and Ramos, dribble around Donnarumma and then score it, which is a, which is a pretty um, special goal to score at this time of the game against a team like uh, Paris Saint-Germain. But yeah, like I said, Reims wasn't, um, wasn't undeserving. Um, 17 shots, four on target. I think at halftime, they had, scored, they had shot like... 11 times, um, and they really were trying to cause issues to Paris Saint-Germain, who wasn't playing to their usual strength, wasn't playing to their usual pace. They end up with 12 shots, four of them on target, including that goal from Neymar, who was a little bit lucky in the build-up into the box. And so Reims, with Will Steele, the 30-year-old um, coach at its head, is still undefeated. I think it's 12 games undefeated now for Reims. It's a great story for Will Steele and, and his boys. Uh, and, you know, you could have seen the, the joy of stealing the whole bench when Balogun equalized at the, with the last kick of the game, literally, because after that, they just had the kickoff and then the, and then the three whistles were blown. Um, it was a great performance for Reims. It is disappointing for Paris, and, and it's important, I think, for us to kind of look at what Paris does and what they don't do. And, you know, it looks like every time there's an issue on the pitch, we kind of want to look off the pitch what's going on. And on Sunday night, uh, you know, Paris was wearing those those black and gold shirt with the um, the Chinese scripture in the back instead of their name in a, in Western alphabet, I guess, um, which is all, you know, it's all well and good to do marketing, marketing, but, you know, maybe they need to focus a bit more on, on what's happening on the field. It kind of feel like it was so marketing orientated that they were, they couldn't, you know, sort of like replace Messi, Mbappé and Neymar because it was the game where they were supposed to be um, sort of like showcased. Although, you know, when you're down to 10 men, um, you kind of want to have maybe two of those three ba- players out so you can have a, a stronger defense. They resisted for a long time and then eventually at the last kick of the game, like I said, Balogun was able to score. Um, you know, Galtier in the press conference said that I think he was being sort of like polite and he was like, it's very surprising that you're up 1-0, there's 10 seconds left and you're going to concede. It surprises me with the experience of my player where the words of uh, of Christophe Galtier, which clearly, clearly means that um, he was disappointed in his team's performance and he didn't want to like be too harsh on them, but he expected obviously better from them. You know, we all expect better from a team like Paris Saint-Germain when they host uh, Reims at the Parc des Princes, but uh, it wasn't to be too... 1-1 was the final score, um, and 1-1 was kind of like the final score all over the some of the pitch, right? This weekend, all the games that were important. There was uh, another game on the, on Saturday night, so Sunday morning, between Troyes and Lens, who also finished at 1-1 despite Lens' best effort to try and take the, the game. Trois were the one to score first with uh, Patrick Gisnorbo, Gisnorbo, excuse me, the Australian coach, finally getting a, a draw after uh, after those, I think, I think it was a draw and a win to start his tenure at Trois and then two heavy losses, a loss in cup and now finally a, a draw again. He parked the bus like I've never seen a bus parked before with Trois, 74% position for Lance, 21 shot, four on target. Trois had six shots, one on target and one goal. Mind you, Troyes was up 1-0 at the 50th minute. They could have been up 2-0 when Ronnie Lopez missed almost the unmissable. And then Adrian Thomasson, the new recruit, um, scored for Lens to, to equalize and, uh, and sort of keep Lens into the run to try and challenge for the, the first spot on, on the table. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how Lens was playing. They were trying their best. You could clearly say 
that they are struggling against a team that plays such a, a defensive-minded football. Uh, and you could tell that they miss a player like Adam Buxa that they have on their bench, or not on their bench, but at home because he's injured, who brings size, who can be at the reception of those crosses. I think, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the wrong word, but I think they were about something around like a ridiculous number of like 33 or 34 crosses for loss, um, which obviously, if you can't score from all those crosses, clearly there's something that's missing in your uh, in your weapon arsenal up front. So hopefully they they get either Buxa soon or they're able to to promote a player that has a bit of a different playing style than what Openda brings to them right now up front. 1-1 was the final result for for Troyes and Lens. Um, the other results that we've seen over the, the weekend, a bit of a surprise in, in Nice, I have to say, with Nice beating Lille 1-0. I mean, I mean, you know, we expect Nice to be good because of how much money there is behind the club right now. But they've been struggling all season and Lille has been very good this season. Uh, so seeing Lille unable to, to beat Nice was, uh, you know, a bit of a surprise, I think, for, from where I stand. Uh, but, but good for Nice and good for Gaëtan Laborde, who I really, who I really like. Uh, for scoring the the goal that made the difference, it was a nul nul draw in Clermont between uh, Clermont and not not only zero goal scored but zero shot on target, which is the first time ever in Ligue 1. Uh, sorry, first time ever since Opta analyzes the the competition in 2005-2006. Uh, not one shot of target over 90 minutes. Pretty pretty poor from both teams, and although we know that they can actually play good football. Uh, they just uh, just wouldn't work for them. Montpellier won in Auxerre. I want to say finally Montpellier uh, bouncing back Auxerre for once, but actually playing nice football. 16 shots, four on target, 60% possession. Uh, but Montpellier was reckless. Four shots, three on target, two goals, uh, really showing who they were. And despite Yonut Radu doing a, a couple of good um, things for Auxerre, he, he still considered twice. Uh, I mentioned it before, Benjamin Lecomte, the goalkeeper of Montpellier, in exceptional form for his first goal, first game back in Ligue 1. Uh, good to see um, Lecomte. I enjoyed this keeper when he was at Monaco and he started making mistake over mistake. Uh, in Strasbourg, there was another game. Strasbourg got dominated by Toulouse and Tiz Dalinga, the uh, former best goal scorer of the second Netherlands division who joined Toulouse in summer, scoring at the 25th and the 51st minute uh, after Kevin Gamero had opened the score for Strasbourg. Unfortunately for Strasbourg, they weren't able to equalize after and they even lost Kevin Gamero on a red card, the frustration fall, foul at the 93rd minute, uh, which I'm sure he's probably beating himself up about because he's going to miss the next um, couple of games. In Ajaccio, in Corsica, Ajaccio was uh, hosting Lyon and Lyon won 2-0. Johan Le Penin, the young uh, midfielder scoring at the 20th minute and Alexander Lacazette at the 71st minute. Two shots on target, two goals for Lyon. It's not all pretty, but it's a win and I'm sure they'll take that. And the last game that we haven't mentioned yet was Brest against Angers and a, a very strong performance for Brest. I mean, we know that Angers is really having issues this season and losing Bunahi and Buffal as well, who's going to Qatar. is not going to help, but Brest won 4-0. The goal scorer, Le Douaron at the 40th minute, Mounier at the 34th, Honora at the 59th, and Pierre Les Melou at the 84th, really taking no prisoner. Uh, it's harsh for, uh, for Angers and, it, and it's hard um, they really need to try and find a, I don't know, I don't know what they need to try and find, but they need to try and, and bounce back. They look destined for Ligue 2 as it stands, and uh, yeah, it would take, I think, something special for them to uh, to try and not be relegated at the end of the season. The table, let's have a look at it. So Angers, like I said, um, eight points in 20 games, pretty pretty dire. 
uh, in front of them and 19 place it's Auxerre with 13 points and then ahead Ajaccio and Strasbourg are 15 points each you know as a reminder four teams are getting relegated this season and then ahead of them it's uh, it's Brest at 18 Troyes 19 Montpellier at 20 Nantes at 22 so there's a little gap already being formed between that bottom four and the four teams ahead of them um, they need to get results the, the four teams at the bottom and they need to get results sooner rather than later. At the top, Paris Saint-Germain is up front, of course, with 48 points. They are not the uh, best defense anymore. Uh, Lance is the best defense with only 14 goals considered and PSG has considered 15. I think it was the case already before that game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they are the best attack, of course, with 49 uh, goals scored. Uh, so PSG, 48 points. Lance, 45. Marseille, 43. Monaco, 38. And Rennes, 37. It's tight. At the top, 11 points between first and fifth. We used to have 11 points between first and second. Uh, so it's good to see this um, this league being a little bit tighter. At the uh, goal-scoring ladder, Mbappé is at, to- at the top with 13, followed by a bit of an army. Lacazette, Jonathan David, Neymar and Mofi, 12 goals each on the assist ladder. It's Messi and Neymar with 10 assists each that are topping it with close seven. And Sotoka, Cabela, six each following this week we have two match day uh, there's a midweek match day match day 21 and there's a weekend one match day 22 and the games that we all will be keeping an eye on is of course Montpellier Paris Saint-Germain we want to know if Paris will bounce back from it uh, there's a Nantes Marseille who, who would look good uh, Lance Nice is going to be interesting with Gisolfi the former um, Lance general manager who now joined Nice and, and maybe uh some bitter, uh, I guess, uh, a bitter meeting after after hearts being broken. Rennes will be playing uh, Strasbourg, Monaco, Auxerre between other games. And then on this weekend, we'll kick off with uh, Paris Saint-Germain against Strasbourg. Um, Troyes will play Lyon. Rennes will play Lille. Uh, there's an interesting Clermont-Monaco to come up and, and a Brest-Lens and Marseille-Nice, one of the derby of the South, will close our weekend of football. That's it for this episode of Cassez les Lignes, uh, Breaking the Lines French football podcast. Of course, as usual, go and check out Breaking the Lines, their article, uh, their podcast, Aira de Rigore, the Italian podcast, and Cortalinas, the podcast on Portuguese football, uh, but also the Tactic Room. Uh, and I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, all our podcasts about the World Cup as well. I'm glad that I'm back and I'm doing this. Uh, French football podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying listening too. Uh, we'll we'll see you again, of course, next week. We'll talk about match day twenty one and twenty two, and, and we'll you know see what was the the latest on the transfer window. Did Marseille get their striker? Did Lyon get a defensive midfielder? Did Paris Saint Germain finally get Skriniar? It looks like it's in the back, but you never know in in, in football these days. Anyway, in the meantime, I will see you next week, and thank you for listening to Castellini after a month's break. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.